This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Welcome to my fully operational Star Wars analysis podcast. Uh, I am moments away from having finished episode two or part two of Ahsoka, which is called Toiled and Trouble, which is an odd name. Uh, although I guess it's like a joke about Morgan Elsbeth being a witch, a Dathomir witch. Anyway, kind of funny, odd. Uh, yeah, more funny odd than funny haha. But anyway, here we go. Um, I don't quite understand all what's going on. I still think it's strange that Elsbeth doesn't look like a night sister at all. But she is dressing like Mother Talzin, which I kind of think she was wearing that when Ahsoka fought her, but I don't remember 100%. So, oh, whatever. Uh, I can see the utility in having some regression for... What's-her-face? Sabine? Uh, in order for her to rise to this occasion. However, if she has little aptitude with the Force and never had that much skill with the Force, perhaps after Ahsoka had abandoned her, she could have been neutral, if not, you know, excited to join her, and she could have lost to Shin because of that, and... Is it Shin or Shin? I think it was Shin. Anyway, she could have lost to her because of that, and then had the resolve to rededicate herself to her training and to become, you know... Ahsoka's Padawan. Now again, it is odd that all of a sudden she's Force-sensitive, even if she has very little aptitude. I don't know how long Hu Yang has been uh, active. I don't know if 500 years is the amount of time, or if it's been like 1,000 years. Or I kind of thought it was like 10,000 years but from the Clone Wars, but that's been years since I watched that episode. Um, but he said... 500 years ago, I saw a lightsaber like this, that being like Balin's. Uh, I saw this one, and then 500 years ago, I saw one. So I know this is Balin. It's basically what he said. So, um, yeah, he's been around for a while. Minimum 500 and change. So, in all that time, in all the Padawans that he's seen, Sabine has the lowest aptitude or force potential. But like Luke said <laughs> at the end of... Uh, Mando, was it season two? Yeah, it was season two. Talent without training is meaningless. Aptitude is not the absolute arbiter. Aptitude is not the arbiter of performance. Which is kind of just coming at the idea that uh, talent without training is meaningless from a different way. Uh, from a different point of view. Because... Just because she doesn't have a great force potential doesn't mean she can't utilize the force. Doesn't mean she can't, you know, learn to wield the lightsaber well and other things like that. And, uh, and of course, this is me being willing to buy it because if I want to watch the rest of the show and enjoy the rest of the show, I can't let myself get hung up on, but they never talked about it before. They didn't for whatever reason, cause, probably because they hadn't thought of it at the time and now they want it to be the case. I think it's good that she has a low aptitude or a low potential with the Force, but that she is Force-sensitive. If she's going to be Force-sensitive, then it should be limiting to her, or it should be limited, I should say, not limiting. Um, it should enhance her abilities, though, which is probably why she can 
lightsaber fight and, you know, some of the other things she can do. Uh, I think it's unnecessary for her to be Ahsoka's Padawan. Um, I think it's silly to make that retcon, and I think it's totally unnecessary for her to be Force-sensitive because she's a Mandalorian. She was being trained with the uh, Darksaber as a Mandalorian, so I can justify her using a lightsaber as a Mandalorian as well. Um, we've seen people use lightsabers who are not Force-sensitive. It's okay. Mandalorian weapons and armor were designed partly, according to the lore, to enable Mandalorians to fight with, defeat, and kill Jedi. So, if whoever is in charge decided to give Sabine Wren force capabilities so that she could fight against Shin, Balin, whoever else, and fight alongside the Jedi Ahsoka, I'm wondering what they're thinking especially because they gave her such limited ability, and what show uh, they were watching. Because nobody that I know of has had a problem with Sabine, has found Sabine to be an insufficient character because of her lack of force ability. In fact, as I said in the last episode, sometimes things that she did in Star Wars Rebels made it appear as if she had force abilities when she was never said to have had them in the show. And again, I said Filoni could say, well, those were hints all along that I was going to do this. I always knew she was a Force-sensitive Mandalorian. Um, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think they just let her uh, be hyper-competent in certain areas because they took liberty and they thought it would be fun to do that with that character. Um, I say, why not just have her be a Mandalorian Jedi killer? I don't think we've seen in the canon... Uh, at least that I paid attention to, a Mandalorian who is, in fact, a Jedi killer. We've seen Grievous. Uh, apparently Cad Bane killed a few Jedi. Um, so, why not let Sabine Wren be a Mandalorian dark Jedi killer who was trained by a Jedi Padawan? That totally makes sense to me. That seems feasible. That seems doable. That seems completely consistent with the Star Wars universe that we have. Uh, and it seems completely congruous with who Sabine Wren has been shown to be throughout Star Wars Rebels, which is an utterly competent character. So, I don't know. I kind of feel like making her a low-energy Jedi, or low-potential Jedi, low-force-aptitude, uh, force-sensitive person, is kind of taking away from her in some ways. And uh, I just find it extremely odd. Extremely odd. Why was this choice made? What's the purpose? What's the argument? Why? What's the justification for doing this? Because I see none. So, now that I've gotten that negativity out of the way, uh, I'm going to say, I really liked seeing the Rebels crew back together. <laughs> uh, Hera and Chopper and uh, Ahsoka and Sabine all working together in their own ways was really cool. It was nice to see that because she is a, a gearhead and you know mechanically inclined as well as being artistic and a good fighter and all that stuff. Which, by the way, if you don't know this about Sabine Wren, she developed a, some sort of super weapon for the Empire 
that I think got turned on the Mandalorians and uh, killed a bunch of her own people, and that's part of her, you know, dark history or whatever. Um, but she developed, you know, some sort of super weapon. So it's like she's, you know, she's everything, right? She's a Renaissance woman. So anyway, um, so why give her the Force too? Anyway, uh, but it was really cool to see her uh, using a, that droid. Uh, it made it feel like she had the idea to utilize the droid, but Ahsoka's the one who went out and got the droid and brought its head back, hoping that she could pull, uh, she being Sabine, could pull some sort of memory out of it. So, um, that was kind of an odd choice. Like, look at, she's competent. She's good enough already. Quit throwing extra things at her. So, um, yeah, this is called Ahsoka, but I wonder if it should have just been called Sabine, uh, based on how much uh, Filoni is favoring her and giving her, like, this extra attention and extra... I don't know, tenderness or whatever. Seems kind of odd. You're, uh, you're gilding the lily, I think, here. I mean, she was good enough. Just stop it, okay? Um, but anyway, so I thought it was really cool, even though it was, you know, only hologram hair, to see the three of them back together and hanging out and talking and, and figuring out, you know, what to do and how to attack this problem. Uh, I liked seeing Hera and Ahsoka on Corellia together and inspecting that shipyard and... I love that that guy yelled, FOR THE EMPIRE! Because uh, I'm a KOTOR fan, and I... Well, yeah, if you know KOTOR, then you know, FOR THE REPUBLIC! From Trask. Trask Olgo. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm Trask Olgo. I'm your bunkmate here on the Endar Spire. Um, no lie, my neighbor right now actually reminds me of Trask. Um, and he's very help, very helpful older man who can uh, kick some butt. Uh, so, and I think he would fight for the Republic. So, anyway. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that was interesting. That was cool seeing them on Corellia. It was cool seeing Corellia, like, when you can actually see it. Um, so, getting to see, you know, the different aspects of the shipyard and that, uh, that C1 protocol droid that they were dealing with and, like, this little corrupt nest of people who were just greedy and making money off of selling stuff to the Empire or whatever, except for the one guy who I think was legitimately a true believer. If he's yelling for the Empire as he dies. You know, he, I don't know if he knew Ahsoka had lightsabers or not, but, um, yeah, he, he should have known he was dead. <laughs> but, anyway, um, and I couldn't quite tell. It looked like the lady who was with him was also... Uh, loyal to the Empire, as Hera would say, but I think it was just, you know, regular old greed. Um, like I think Ahsoka had said. So, I don't know. That's kind of interesting. It was cool to see, and it was really interesting, like, the political thing that, you know, how can we have these people in here uh, who are loyal to the Empire, or who, you know, basically, the New Republic had to, had to, uh, they chose to, out of convenience, utilize Imperial people, Imperial staffers, because they said, well, they're not going to be loyal to the Empire, they don't really care, they just want their paycheck, they just want their job, and, uh, you know, job security or whatever, and, you know, this isn't going to affect us at all. And, obviously, that's not true. That sort of thing leads to corruption. I don't know how to solve the problem, but I like, and that's not the point, I like the fact that it is a problem, and that it's causing harm, and that it's having these negative effects. And I like that it's giving a little bit of... it's giving a smidge, like that guy who, you know, yelled for the Empire. He would have worked for the First Order if he was given the chance. So, seeing that there are people like that, it kind of uh, helps to legitimize the rise of the First Order. But, anyway, in and of itself, 
this was a cool episode. We got to see these pre-established characters from Star Wars doing the Star Warsy things that we like to see them doing. Hera's flying, Chopper's being uh, <laughs> how do I say this? Chopper's being Chopper. There we go. There we go. Chopper's being Chopper. Hera's piloting and uh, Ahsoka's lightsaber fighting with uh, you know one of these HK. So it is an HK droid. I think um, that explains what those droids were about and I'm pretty sure if I went back to Mando season 2 and that episode with Ahsoka and Mando working together that I would see that the model of droid is the same it's it's a or it's, it's similar so those are they're all you know those were HK droids in this episode in the last episode and then they were HK droids protecting Morgan Elspeth on that weird muddy planet where Ahsoka was doing her lone samurai thing um so that's interesting that's cool I hadn't fully realized that that was just the designation HK-47 for example from KOTOR uh, he's become a template or a model for all these other HK droids and they're just called that and they're you know hyper competent uh, assassin droids which I would say are probably more they look better they look well they look cooler and uh, they feel a little more competent than uh, Grievous uh, General Grievous's uh, Magna Guards I think is what they were called um, they're definitely cooler um, so that's that's fun uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what more to say. Uh, it was fun. I mean, I, I liked it. It felt really good. And like I said, uh, <laughs> I, I like specifically this interaction between Huyang, uh, Hu, Huyang, and uh, and uh, Sabine, where she says, "Oh, I forgot how annoying you are," and he says, "Not annoying, logical," or something like that. It's like. <laughs> Anyway, he's saying, yeah, you're not being logical. You're being emotional and dumb. And you don't like hearing my clear, concise, reasonable, logical arguments against you because, you know, they make you lose your argument and have to reconsider what you're saying and doing. Uh, they, they make you have to think about your actions and be reflective instead of reactive. Uh, and I think that's cool. I like that. And I like that he's a droid, but because he's a, a Jedi droid, he has this wisdom. And because he's lived for so long, he's got this experience. And... That's cool to see. So, yeah, I like where this is going. I like the potential that I see. And... I don't know what else. I like this overall. I'm excited to see where it goes. This, like, Eye of Scion thing just makes me think of Darth Scion, but I think those are spelled differently. But I don't know 100% for sure. And, like, the idea that they're traveling from the Star Wars galaxy to another galaxy is pretty exciting. I mean, I guess it makes sense that there would be something else in another galaxy, like you had the Siruk, or the Siruvi uh, threat from Truce of Bakura, uh, one of the early EU books that takes place right after Return of the Jedi. Luke's still healing from being electric, uh, electrocuted by the Emperor. And, um, anyway, those guys come from outside of the galaxy. The Yu Zhongguang come from outside the galaxy as well. Uh, Lucas had had plans that got scraps for some reason to show like an alien abduction or like a Yuzhongguang ship coming into uh, like a scout ship coming in and causing some sort of trouble um, for a Clone Wars episode so I mean it makes sense that there's another galaxy but like that's that's a big deal like it could take years I would think to travel to another galaxy although if you've got some sort of jerry-rigged you know hot rod transport thing with I guess it's, that's why that thing's called the Eye of Sign because it's round like that, really like an eye. Anyway, um, if you got a bunch of hyperdrives connected to it, it would make sense that you'd be able to uh, to get through hyperspace a little quicker, maybe, uh, in order to make that trip. So, anyway, I'm excited for where 
this has the potential to go. If we're going to be going outside of regular space into, like, you know, remote planets and having cool lightsaber battles there while, you know, learning life lessons or whatever and learning not to trust governments because governments are made of people and people are corrupt. Therefore, governments uh, can, by definition, not be... Uh, cannot escape corruption because they're made up of people who are, by definition, flawed and corrupted, uh, or corruptible, um, then that'll be exciting to me. So, anyway, I like this overall. I like it a lot more than episode one. I feel like a lot of what happened in this second episode gives a little more context to the stuff from episode one and makes it make more sense. Uh, I think they're gonna have to kill Ray Stevenson by the end of this season, because, or, you know, they're gonna have to, like, kill off his character, um... Balin Skull because, you know, the actor died in real life and who knows when we'll get season two because this actor strike thing or Hollywood strike thing that's going on right now. And, uh, anyway, hopefully they take time to make the next season written, you know, even better than this one because so far this one is interesting and it's got a lot of potential and I'm excited to see exactly where it goes and, uh, I don't know. I've heard some spoilers about what's coming in the future and I'm very excited for that. So, what did you think of this episode? What did you think of the first episode? How are you feeling about Ahsoka so far? And, uh, yeah, how are you feeling about Ahsoka so far? Who do you like best? Who do you like least from this cast of characters that we're spending some time with? I want to know. Tell me. Anyway, until next time, folks, take care. This is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to MJMunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.